she, look, she's a very good friend, but I want to say that she's my friend. She's not your <laughs> She's going to own her. Feel free to slide into the DMs. I uh, don't. <laughs> Listen, if you do, just know that she is a nightmare. So, and this, and, and it's so funny because that was my responsibility at the time. I'm like, what? She's a nightmare. Like, that's like in a fun way. And then ironically, as the year or the last 12 months for you has unfolded, we've got a medical reason of why you're a nightmare. So <laughs> I wasn't wrong. Listen, it's a superpower. It's <laughs> definitely a superpower. Hi, I'm Kirsten Leo, and this is the Light Path Podcast, brought to you by thelightpathcollective.com. I am passionate about exploring energetic practices, spiritual principles, healing modalities, and connecting to the experience and wisdom of others to illuminate our paths and live at our greatest capacity for abundance, worthiness, and love. Today on the podcast, I'm joined by fan favorite, Bianca Bolden. Bianca first made an appearance on the podcast, really just to chat what it was like to be friends with someone like me, and she definitely warmed your hearts. Today, she joins us again to bravely talk about her experience of being diagnosed and living with ADHD. I do want to preface this conversation with two things. One, obviously Bianca, nor I, are medical professionals, so anything we talk about in this podcast is anecdotal and our own personal experiences and should be taken in that light. Secondly, I just want to slap a little language warning on this episode, but I hope you find this interesting in terms of diving into what it is like to be diagnosed with ADHD as an adult. Bianca, welcome back to the podcast, (laughs) fan favourite. I love that. I can't believe I'm the fan favourite. I should put that in my bio on my Instagram, fan favourite. Yeah, you probably should. Yeah, fan (laughs) favourite on the Light Path podcast. So for those of you that didn't listen to the episode, Bianca was on the podcast when we first launched it pretty much around this time last year. And we did a conversation around what it's like basically to be friends with someone that um, is empathic or is a psychic and you can just call them anytime going, what do you think about this guy or whatever? And the feedback that we got back from that was people messaging me saying that they wanted to be her friend. And I was like, really? She's a lot of work. <laughs> I think that it comes, I feel like I am a good friend. You are. I, I you like give stuff back. You, I feel she, like I'm giving advice back. <laughs> she's a very, she, look, she's a very good friend, but I want to say that she's my friend. She's not yours. <laughs> She's going to own her. Feel free to slide into the DMs. I uh, don't. <laughs> Listen, if you do, just know that she is a nightmare. So, and this, and, and it's so funny because that was my responsibility at the time. I'm like, what? She's a nightmare. Like, that's like in a fun way. And then ironically, as the year or the last 12 months for you has unfolded, we've got a medical reason of why you're a nightmare. So I wasn't wrong. Listen, it's a superpower. It's (laughs) definitely a superpower. And that is why we have got you on because I don't know about you guys, but across my social media content, there seems to be this opening, this cracking open of this conversation around diagnosis of ADHD. So the definition for that just being attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, 
really those diagnoses coming out for adults and especially for women. And this information that has been drip feeding through my social media is just this honest conversation about really the tendencies or the the symptoms. We don't really know what to call them around that. And just want to preface this whole chat actually with the fact that obviously Bianca and I are not healthcare professionals. Um, We are just talking anecdotally and experience-wise because it has been over the last year that you have received, Bianca, a diagnosis of ADHD. So I wanted to, I guess, create a space because this podcast is such a safe space of just further exploring that conversation around what that means to get that diagnosis, but more importantly, what it means to actually uh, live with this, you know, I guess neurological programming in a way that affects a lot of people. Yeah, I guess there's like so many different versions of ADHD. Um, You know, I grew up with a best friend that had ADHD and she still is on the meds today. I think she's gone through like different um, types of medication. Um, But like the way that I look at her, the way that I look at me, I feel like we're completely different. Um, I definitely was a bit of a silent sufferer, I think for such a long time, which apparently that's huge for women because we do just put it down to our hormones or hormones being imbalanced, our period, like, you know, there's so much um, that we could put it down to, um, even just waking up on the wrong side of the bed that day or like something happening throughout the day, you know, Um, and we're like a little bit in our head and we think that it's just a bad mood. But um, for me, it was like really the the head noise, Um, Mm -hmm. the head noise of just like constantly being indecisive. Like I know I probably put it out there that I am, really like headstrong and I go after exactly what I want which I do but there is a lot of like back and forth back and forth back and forth and like the older that I'm getting the more I'm trying just to listen to the intuition as opposed to like listening to the head noise like I am really trying to just like mellow that out um but it wasn't until I don't know if I ever would have been diagnosed if I didn't stop during COVID um like I know that you know like I jumped into the music industry just in mm. the end of 2019. Um, so like heavily my industry was like completely done for for quite some time. Mm. So I have never stopped like that in my adult career ever. I've never had a pause. Um, that was when I honestly was like I hit rock bottom countless times. Um, and my mind, like I've never been a depressed person ever Um, When I first moved to Melbourne, I was super depressed. I think I was just really overwhelmed here. One, I definitely had seasonal depression, um, given the fact that I've come from like a place where it was constantly sunny and beautiful all the time. So the seasonal depression hit me. But here, like it was this like reoccurring, overstimulated like mindset. And I never had that in Sydney, ever ever when I lived in Sydney, but here there's trams, there's trains, there's like so many people on freaking bikes. Like it was just this really overwhelming experience where like junkies and this is wild, but like they would, I'd be sitting outside at a restaurant and junkies would come up and like sit at the table and like look into my soul. And I was just like, this is just a lot, like what's going on. And I went to my doctor, I had a few things happen at work as well, which definitely made me like second guess what I was doing for a living. If I actually was inadequate with my job and he 
the the boss was triggering like male um, patterns from my childhood, from my dad, always telling me that I'm not good enough. And it was just, it was a combination of so many different things, but that led me to go to the doctor. Like I had a breaking point last year and I just was like, I'm not working today. And I called up my doctor and just had a quick phone call, got in. She's like, look, I don't think that you have depression by any means. I definitely think that you could potentially have ADD and you have been really silently suffering and we need to potentially get you the help that you that you need. Anyway, I had done a fair bit of research and I did call my friend Celeste, you know, wanting to know a little bit more about it because I did know that I had a few people in my, you know, inner circle that had it. Um, you know, Dina also being one of them, like, and just everyone's just is so different to, I feel like even the type that I even experience. Um, anyway, rung around, spoke to, I don't know how I got, this is just Bianca being a hustler. I have no idea how the hell I got to the mental health professor, a professor of, um, I can't even remember the hospital here in Melbourne. Um, St. St. And no. I can't even remember. It's on Punt Road, this hospital. I don't know how I got through to this professor. <laughs> Honestly, I have no idea. I called all these random numbers. I was just at that point where I was like, you know what? I'm not giving up today. Got through to this professor and he was like, I'm really sorry. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't do that anymore. Like I'm now a professor. Um, you know, I can put you through to my receptionist because I was sobbing on the phone. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I can put you through to my receptionist and they can potentially give you some names and numbers of some people that you know, maybe you can call and like the influx of people, like the wait lists were like six months or we're not taking any new patients. Yeah. It was just like, and I was like at my wits end where I'm like, I'm about to go into summer festivals. I need to have my head in the game. I am literally at breaking, pardon me, at breaking point. Um, I need to sort this and I am not going to wait six months. I'm happy to go wherever the hell I need to go to be able to get this done. So I spoke to the receptionist. She was so sweet, so sweet. She gave me a whole list of these names. I'm talking like 500 names and I've like given them to people since. Like I've literally given the list away to like Dina who needed a new, um, a new psychic, I say psychic, psychiatrist. Don't we, it's not what we deal with guys. Yeah. <laughs> not uh, my thing. To a few people that have been, um, you know, not, not doing so well. And um, they've all got, all got people from it, which is great. So I just went down the list. I started at the top and went down. And I think it was like the fifth person in that I finally got on. And they were like, look, we can see you in a month. Whereas all the rest were like six months, three months, you know, so, and all we're not taking patients anymore. That's a really old list. So I had to drive 45 minutes to get to this mm-hmm. psychiatrist. Um, and it was a, it was a journey. Like it wasn't just, oh, you go to the psychiatrist, you have like a therapy session. And then all of a sudden he's like, you've got ADHD. Like I had the first session and he made his notes. Then I went off and I did a physical, I had to get a heart, like a heart scan, um, blood tests, you know, this whole thing. Then I had to bring my mom in. So my mom had to come in and like speak about how I was as a child, um, you know, like what the little like characteristics there were about me that maybe I've got in adulthood and like things that I actually had no idea that were ADHD related, like my driving, like I, I drive, like, I, I mean, I'm very much a Sydney driver. Melbourians hate it. I am like fucking in and out, in and out of fucking lanes. Yeah. Don't. My- 
spending. Being in, being in the car with um, Bianca is an experience. I want to go into what, what, you know, you kind of uncovered in that process and what the actual process was. Before we do, let's just get some, I guess, common terminology around this. Being a teacher, um, I was saying to Bianca before we jumped on, ADHD diagnosis are like dime a dozen. For a teacher, we're so used to it um, that it's almost just a natural part of what we do. But this is from the um, Mayo Clinic that it's a chronic condition, including attention, difficulty, hyperactivity, and impulsiveness. It does often begin in childhood. And I think just because of my personal background, that's where I mainly see it, but it does and can persist into adulthood. And I think as the result of what we're going to talk through with your, um, you know, I guess, traits or symptoms is, you know, it contributes to this, you know, really troubled relationships with concentration, self-esteem because of the limited attention or the hyperactivity. Um, obviously you can treat it through many ways, one of them or two basic ways. It's either behavioral or um, an an environmental, or you can actually medicate um, for ADHD. In terms of the statistics that we could get our hands on, and I think it's really, um, as with all statistics, it's often really um, underrepresented, especially um, for women because we don't often get um, we're really good at suppressing things and just getting on with it um, but this is ac- according to Neurocare Clinics Australia as of the 22nd of March 2023 that ADHD affects six to seven percent of the population um, so, and around 65 percent of people diagnosed will continue their um, ex, uh, diagnosis into adulthood. So uh, current statistics from um, at the moment, again, August 2023, around 4.4% of adults from 18 to 44 are living with ADHD, but we would imagine that's more than that. Um, and we couldn't get any statistics actually around gender breakdown. So this is a conversation that we definitely probably need to continue with researchers in the field um, um, rather than it just kind of being anecdotal like that. But, um, you know, like any kind of mental health, I you know, aspect, and I'm sure you went into those phone calls on that particular day of, you know, as you call it, the breakdown day where you're just like, whoa, like my head is not serving me. Going in to see a GP, I'm sure you probably went in thinking mental health, not necessarily neurological <laughs> disorder. No, I thought it was ADHD. I ah, don't know. Yeah, I did a fair bit of research before because I knew I'm not a like I'm I'm not the girl that's depressed that can't get out of jo- like can't get out of bed that doesn't want to go to work. I've never been that girl ever. Um, I don't suffer with that. I have friends that definitely do. So I've seen that rock bottom of like mentally, like it's actually heartbreaking to see people go through that. Um, I knew that this was like this was like a frustration. Like mm. my brain and my body wanted to do completely different things that I was just like, oh my god, and it was like an overwhelmingness, like, where do I start? What do I do? Like, you know, the the to-do list, I'm just like, what should I do first kind of thing? So it, I did. It's, 
it's interesting that you use the word frustration because in tiny little ones where you start to kind of get the diagnosis around the age of five or six where where I taught them, that's what you would see. You would see these little kids that were just like, and they literally because they're five, they'd go, like that with their body. And it's like, yeah, they were obviously just trapped in this Mm. uh, inability to kind of bring everything into alignment ultimately. I definitely had those moments in school, like definitely. Um, I just think that there was a different stigma around ADHD. Like my friend, you know, that I've grown up with my whole life that has ADHD, she was like always wanting the attention, like wanting all eyes on her. Whereas for me, I couldn't understand maths. So like I said to my mum one day, I remember coming home and I was like, I'm not doing maths anymore. And my mum was like, well, you have to do maths. Like maths is universal, like everyone does it. You need to understand it's literally the language of the world. And I said, I'm not doing it because the numbers, and I still think that sometimes maybe I'm a little bit dyslexic because when I'm writing down numbers, I'll sometimes do it the other way. Um, So like I just hated numbers. So when I could drop out by year 10, see, I didn't do maths. I did like double creative. I think I did like textiles and design and dance and drama, like the whole thing was like creative where I was expressing like my art and my talent as opposed to sitting there doing fucking shit that I just, I still to this day, like, no, I don't want anything to do with numbers. Don't yes. even set a spreadsheet. <laughs> Systematic organised thinking that obviously is is hard for you. Um, I'm not sure if your friend is public with her diagnosis yeah. or yeah. Oh, she is. Yeah. Okay. So I guess we can talk about it in terms of her, her approach to it, I guess, the outlet of like all eyes on me, like that's a really interesting um, expression of that as well because given that it, you know, leads to so much issues with self-esteem and all of that kind of stuff. But it definitely was self-esteem, like, yeah. Got it. Um, I see that as well. Like it is very much this like constant chase of an insecurity Um mm-hmm. And it's almost like a validation that like, yeah, it's, it's so, it's so interesting to see my friends that I know that definitely have it that are on the meds to then look at myself. And I'm like, I see elements for sure, but I don't see the whole thing. So like, it is really interesting to see that there's just so many different layers and like, just if no one's the same. (laughs) And that's why I always used to say to parents, like, you know, the, the parents that resisted getting a diagnosis and the parents that wanted to shove a diagnosis in my face and go, see, I'm like, it actually doesn't matter. We should like that to no. deal with the child as is, whether we, you decide to medicate or whatever, we still have to put strategies into place to deal with their barriers, their symptoms, as we would any child. So what were yours? What did you uncover were your main main things? I know we've just a little bit touched on it. Um, of things that I really noticed within myself. So mine is definitely frustration um, of just feeling really overwhelmed. I said this the other day to Dina and she didn't really know what I was talking about, but I feel overstimulated sometimes. Yeah. So I am like, holy fuck, this, 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 and this, and I don't know where to start. Like I, I know you're in my close friends with my Instagram. I don't know if you saw the other day, but like, I hadn't taken my meds that day and I probably needed to. Like I try not to take my meds every day because the doctor's like, don't take them on the weekends. Like if you don't need to, don't take the stimulant. And it's only if you like desperately are like all over the place. 
This day I probably should have taken them. I had washing half on, like it was on the ground in the in the um, bathroom. I had all the drawers open. I had a salad half open, eaten, like half eaten on the bench. And then I had a suitcase open with half clothes in it. Like there was shit everywhere. And mm. I'm like, oh my God, this is exactly how my brain feels right now because mm, I've started interesting. all these tasks and not fucking completed anything. And similar to like, I guess how my computer is, like I've got all these tabs mm. open. And I'm like, oh, but I'll come back to it. I never do. Just close it, Bianca. Like, why do you need it? That's how my brain feels. And what I, I I think that's interesting because I think that, you know, you said before, like it really is a superpower, but I think, I don't know, I think just humanly, but I also find this anecdotally with women, we're so apt or used to or just expected to turning our barriers into our, um, I guess, characteristics or, or masking them through ignoring them or exasperating them because if without this, I guess, contextualization of your personality, mm. I would just have, like I describe you as crazy, but you're not really crazy, but like crazy in the sense that you are like that. Like, and I, and I actually love that about your personality that you can have a million things going on. The fact that you can talk to a million people in a day, like it's exhausting. Like I yeah. couldn't personally do that. The fact that I can call you and go, oi, I'm coming, and you're like, yeah, fine, sleep in the bedroom. Or like you're just, you're so adaptable and you can have a million things going is how you've probably learned to use this symptom yeah. in some ways to your advantage. Yeah, which is why I think that it's like a bit of a superpower because like, I think that I've gone for such, you know, 38 years of like dealing with this shit that now I'm like, wow, I can actually use this to my advantage and help other people. And I think that that's, you know, there's so many stigmas around like, oh, you've got ADHD. Oh, I see that about you. I'd see that. Like, it's just like, okay, hang on. You probably have it too. Like, do you know what I mean? Mm. But I feel like if we have this open conversation where people are being a little bit more vulnerable. And I literally say to friends now, Hey, I'm really sorry. I can't come. I'm maxed out of my social. And like, I probably do put my social for work purposes first, as opposed to my social for my own personal reasons. Um, I probably put that at the forefront way more, but I'll literally say, I'm really sorry that I can't come. Like I canceled a wedding in a couple of weeks and I'm like, I can't can't come. I'm really sorry. I've just got too much on. I'm away every single weekend for a whole month. Like I can't come. And I never normally would say stuff like that, or I can't come to a 40th birthday because I've got something else, you know, that's here in Melbourne and it's literally a grand final. Like it's not anything. I'm not even going to the grand final. Like who am I? I've just turned into this sports bloody girl, but it's just one weekend again that I might not be in Melbourne and might not be in my home that I'm just like, no, I can't keep doing this. I need to put in the boundaries to make sure that I am putting myself first and my needs first. Whereas like old Bianca probably wouldn't do that. So in other literature that we read and definitely you anecdotally have talked about, this is your experience that the stopping of in COVID really allowed us, I guess, to put that spotlight on our lives and the diagnosis of, of this has really increased since um, that that time in in our lives. How do you look back on how on how you were living and now realize a lot of that was because of what's going on and a lot of what I did was actually maybe to potentially mask it consciously or subconsciously. Yeah. Um... 
I think the first, I mean, COVID's such a blur for me now, but I think the first six months of that, I definitely put on a mask um, and hit some crazy rock bottoms. Like I'm I'm probably not going to talk about that mm. on here because it was just a m- moment in my life that I want to kind of forget. But, um, yeah, I definitely hit some rock bottoms in that moment where I didn't have anyone in my area. Like I'd obviously recently moved back up to the Gold Coast, well, Northern Rivers, um, because I bought my property. My family was in Victoria. So like there was no, like I was allowed to cross the border between New South Wales and Queensland because I was part of this border bubble, but none of my family could. They weren't allowed to come through even to New South Wales. Like, you know what it was like. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I think that that was a moment in my time, in my life where I've never stopped and I'm so grateful that it did make me stop because I feel like it's made me really connect internally um, and it's made me rely on other people around me, not just always going to my family. Um, mm. You know, like my my child, like she's my honestly my oldest girlfriend. I've known her since I was two years old or one year old. We live next door to each other. We now, like, you know, I bought my property next door to her thankful for her and her family like bringing me in um and it was those moments that I feel like I kind of let the mask off a little bit because I was like it's okay to be vulnerable Bianca and show people and tell people that you're actually not doing okay Mm. like it's actually okay like your your career is on hold right now it's all fine like you know I'm things come to me all the time. Like, I think I was out of work with three, for three months maybe. And then I'm doing the relaunch of this club and hotel, which is hilarious. Cause I'd never worked in that, but it was more around the network of people that I had and what I could build for the community and whatever. Um, so it was fine and it always will be fine. But mm-hmm. I think it was those moments that have led me to now go, everything always fucking falls on its feet. Like it's always going to be okay. But the old Bianca before she stopped those moments were, I remember just crashing thinking mm-hmm. like, Oh my God, the world's like fucking kill it. Like is after me. Like, you know, why is my life so hard? Your life's not hard at all. Like at all. But it was those moments that I now am like, wow. Like I'm so grateful, like so grateful because it's really made me going within and made me go, you are a boss and you've got this always. So talk to us about the process of getting diagnosed. So I had that appointment with um, the doctor to get the referral. Um, I called around everyone first um, to, because you've got to obviously have the referral for that exact, like for that doctor. Um, I couldn't get an appointment. So I was like trying to find one. Then I contacted my doctor. I got the referral, went, couldn't get in for four weeks. That was fine. Went was really, um, it was like an hour and a half, maybe two hours of conversation. Um, he watched my like characteristics, um, asked me about like my spending, like how I am with money, um, how I've been with dating, which I just find fucking hilarious. Um, yeah. How I've been with dating, how I am with like friends, um, asked me about like childhood friends versus like adult friends, um, asked me about like work and like things that I find really frustrating and things that I find really easy. 
Um, and then, yeah, he did like some blood, uh, sorry, some um, blood pressure um, testing. And I feel like he did something else. I can't remember. Um, and then sent me off. So I had to get the heart scan, ECG, and I got a few vials of blood, which I guess they were testing to make sure that I'm like healthy enough to be able to handle the drugs. Um, so that was my first appointment. Then my second appointment, um, I had to bring my mum in like a little schoolgirl <laughs> to the principal. <laughs> um, I had to bring my mum in and it wasn't about, like it wasn't any conversation with me. It was all with my mum. And he was basically just asking how I was with my sister, um, how I was at school, um, how I was at dancing. Cause obviously I was a dancer from like the age of two, how I interacted with the kids. Um, so that was, yeah, another hour and a half conversation. And he said in that conversation, he was like, your daughter has had ADD for such a long time that she's been silently suffering. And like, I think my mom has it, but she's like in that generation where she'll just be like, no, I don't. No, I don't have anything. You know what I mean? Um, but I definitely think that maybe my mom does. Um, but yeah, so he, my mom was like, oh my God, like, is she going to be okay? Like, she, it was just like, she had no idea. And I now send her podcast so that she can understand like what it actually is. It's something that is like, she's like, but you're fine. You always like, you always do everything that you're meant to do. And you know, you're, you're really smart. I'm so proud of you. And I'm like, yeah, I know that, but it's what's going on in here. Like it's what I'm having to deal with inside my own body. And like, there's days that I'm like, it's fucking hard. And I'm like, I don't want to work today. Like I'm having a really fucking hard day. And there's days that I'm like, I'm fucking queen, like bow down. <laughs> so how would you, how do you define it then when you, when you say you send stuff to her so she can understand it? How do yeah. you define it? Um, I mean, I think that the podcast that I've shared with her, um, I think that she's got a, a lot out of it. Like there's different people speaking from different points of view um, and they're speaking to doctors and, you know, um, yeah, I, I don't, I think that every case is completely different. No one is ever going to be the same. Um, and so I just have like, I've, I've been calling it to my mum, like Bianca's, Bianca's ADD, like my version of it because everyone's going to obviously be so, so, so different. And then everyone's view on a podcast is so different too. You know what I mean? So, so how, do, how do you define it for yourself then, your experience of it? Um, it just, to be honest, it's head noise and frustration. Yeah. So just the inability to be able to organise streamline concentrate and compartmentalize uh, I can do that on some day like some days like it's really comes down to the cycle like it does not like you know I'm due for my period in probably a week and I'm at a phase right now where I probably don't need the meds this week um but then I mean also I'm not working right now so um yeah, and know. environmental factors will, will play on that. So the hormonal yeah. and flows that we obviously go through. Yeah, um, but last week when I was ovulating, like I was too stimulated. Like taking my, like mm. taking the drug every day was too much. So I thought that it was when I had my period that I didn't need it, but I'm now starting to realize, like I'm still trying to navigate it. Like it's not easy. Like it's been six months or seven months or something that I've been on it um it's not easy by any means also comes down to the people that I'm around and how uncomfortable I feel 
Um, it comes down to, you know, like I did a wine course the other day and like trying to do my level one sommelier and I was just like, I, maybe I shouldn't have taken it because I felt really out of my depth. I don't like doing learning experiences at the best of times because I don't like public speaking, which is so funny, but I don't like the eyes on me. I don't, I just want to kind of do things in the background and people be like, oh, hi, like, and kind of see me one or two people in a class, see me as opposed to a whole class. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, maybe I shouldn't have taken my job. Like, so it's just, I'm trying to navigate when to take it, when not to take it. Um, but I think the biggest thing that I've learned is not to take it during ovulation. I'm going to try next cycle, not take it during that, those few days of ovulation and see how I go. Cause I think the anxiety is already quite high. And then when I take that, the stimulant, I'm just overstimulated and I feel just a little bit like I hadn't slept for like three days. And, you know, when you're like so tired and you haven't slept for three days, like, you know, when you're jet lagged and you're kind of just like a bit spacey and a bit all over the place, that's kind of how I felt last week. So as you're cycling through this, and I think I hear the same stories about people as they're cycling through, say, uh, medications for various um, mental health conditions and such, what would you, I guess, want people to know about um your experience that you know might help them help others not you know because it might not necessarily be you although I'm sure people listening to this might feel a little bit um triggered or sparked to be like oh like you know maybe some of these things that you experience I've experienced I wonder that you know what that could quite mean what would you want people to know for for people in their lives in terms of how to best support speak to and around and about it Mm. Um, I think if you are really struggling, it's just best to start the process of it because to eliminate that, um, and to be on the right medication has definitely helped. Like I am having more good days as opposed to negative days. Um, it's and just also like, just to know that like medication isn't always everyone's. No, I mean, there's path. like, yeah. there's so many different paths in this. Yeah. I mean, I, couldn't imagine not being on medication personally um but I am on vitamins as well that um you know they're like a brain food vitamin um that I've been taking as well at the same time as I've taken Ritalin I'm on such a small little tiny dose of Ritalin um so it's not you know groundbreaking but the days that I do take it I do feel really really great um I think it's just like having those conversations and being open and vulnerable with a group of people if you don't have those group of people that you can be like hey I'm actually having a really fucked day um I just need a bit of support like if you don't have that I can't even imagine how awful it must feel because it really does make you feel like you are alone even though you're not but there's only some people people that I feel like you can talk to about it because everyone's got their own fucking judgment or their own spray that they love to fucking spray all the time. And I find it so interesting that like, if I'm not in the right mood and someone sprays me, I will fucking bite back. I'm just like, Hey, I'm having a fucking really bad time right now. Don't need this. Thanks so much. And I'll just walk away. Whereas like, I also never used to do that either. I would like just like nod and like laugh and just be like, okay. You know what I mean? It's just, yeah. Anyway. 
yeah, yeah, giving people, you know, the space to have their experience, but also knowing that as you're sharing your experience, you're going to open that conversation for other people to yeah. share this. So it's like mindful on, on both sides. Um, I think that this is like just tip of the iceberg opening up of a conversation about an experience of an ADHD diagnosis. And as you're like, you've been really open in terms of you just, you know, traveling through the initial stages of finding what works best for you, which I'm sure will continue to evolve and to change. And there's no like quick fix or this is how it's going to be forever. Um, So you know, I'm sure like, you know, like you said, like reach out, <laughs> reach out to others, even like to you having gone through this um, for that advice and support just anecdotally on this as well. This is kind of what I did. This is kind of what worked for me. Yeah. Take it and away. also there's so many, like, I don't know, there's so much information on social media, which is crazy. Like, especially TikTok, some of the videos yeah. that doctors and scientists and stuff have created, it makes you just go, oh my God, like, just search the hashtag like the hashtag is honestly half my for you page is basically that and also just some of the humor that also comes with it like you know there's this really funny couple that are on Instagram and TikTok that he talks about like it's their relationship about like the things you can do to help support your girlfriend with ADHD and like they do funny things and they do really heartfelt things but like seeing those things and like having a laugh about it and go fuck yeah I do have a superpower with that or like I need to find a, a guy that treats me the way that this guy treats her. It's just those little things that kind of make you feel like you're part of like this community as opposed to like doing it on your own. Oh, I love that. And that's so true. Well, thanks as always for being so open and um, proving my point right that you're a great friend to have, but oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> and anecdotally, I have absolutely. I- Absolutely noticed a difference in you over the last six months. I mean, as you were going through the diagnosis and and the process that you've discussed today, I remember very clearly our conversations around that. And you're like, oh my God, my mum has to come in. And it was so, you know, you you love to make a joke out of things and we do laugh a lot about stuff. But um the change in you has been really significant in that just recently you've gone through, you know, quite a, a change personally and the way you handled it left, literally left me saying, who are you? <laughs> I even remember you saying that with like the last couple of breakups that I have. Like you're just yeah. like, who are you becoming? Like I'm like, oh, I'm okay. I don't really care. Like you're like, do I not need to answer your phone calls anymore? <laughs> I know. Like, this is weird. <laughs> so maybe you're not my like crazy friend anymore. Maybe you're my completely <laughs> rational, normal and mature totally. friend. Maybe I'm the friend that you now call for advice. Oh my gosh. This is so boring. I'm out. That's it. <laughs> Friendship over. She's on the market guys. Feel free to hit her up. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Well, thank you again for coming. And I loved it that you kind of topped and tailed our series one Um. I don't think I've announced it yet on the podcast, but we're having a little break soon. So I love that you've kind of topped and tailed this this year of podcasts for us. Um, as always, they can find you on Instagram, but we'll pop all your links below. Um, and thanks for hanging out with us. Anytime. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Light Path Podcast. I hope that the information shared here has helped illuminate your path. Be sure to check out the show notes for links related to this episode. 
while you're there, remember to subscribe to the podcast to ensure you never miss an episode. I'm Kirsten Leo, and I can't wait to explore and expand our capacity for abundance, worthiness, and love together in the next episode.